welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. My name's Randall. I'm an alcoholic and quite happy to have you here today. What we do is pretty simple. I have breakfast or something that's a lot like breakfast with a friend and we talk about addiction, recovery, how we got sober and how we stay sober. Today's guest alcoholic is none other than my own sponsor, Tommy. Tommy is a well-known alcoholic here in New York, and he and I talk about the nature of sponsorship, how reading the big book led both of us to sobriety, and then it turns out that Tommy knows a lot about the planet of the apes. So yeah, we're in instant classic territory. I'm excited, and I think you're going to like it too. So come have breakfast with a couple of alcoholics. Tommy. Welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. Uh, thank you, Randall. I'm so excited to be here. I've, uh, um, I think I've listened to every prior episode and uh, been really excited and, and enjoyed and um, have been moved by many of the stories and many interviews. I hope I can live up to the standards you've set. Wow. Um, I guess we should tell people that we didn't just meet. <laughs> uh, so technically, you're my sponsor. That's I'm correct. Your, I am your sponsor. more than technically. I hope, uh, uh, actually. Um, but I am glad you listen, um, because I kind of feel like you're the you're the supreme fact checker. So like I, if I get something <laughs> wrong, I just wait to hear from you, and I don't hear from you, so it's fine. Okay. That's how I look I'll at it. I'll keep that in mind for future broadcasts. That, that is how I look at it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My sobriety date is July 10th, 2009. Um, I've been blessed to have 13 years of sobriety this this month. I, I would say that for the last 10 years of my active drinking, I knew that I drank obsessively and I had to um, have self-imposed periods of um, abstinence, but never really made that obvious connection that you know I'm an addict or an alcoholic. I just um, knew that my drinking was starting to interfere with my life, my health, my family, and at periods of time I had to stop because of that. I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous or AA or the Big Book, uh, and then I got to a point where I just couldn't, I, I, would, I would stop and it would be a month, and then I would stop and it would be two weeks, then I would stop and it would be uh, a week. How did you start drinking, and when did you start drinking? So, I, I grew up in a deaf household, and um, the way I describe it, and you know, again, thinking I'm terminally, terminally unique, um, like every alcoholic, I didn't realize probably everyone felt this way, but I grew up uh, feeling like everyone got the memo yesterday on how we were all going to act today, and I was the only guy that didn't get the memo. And so, I was always very uncomfortable in my skin and in that situation, and I felt like I'm, I had to fake it, I had to, I had to um, um, just make you like me and figure out what the, the code was. And one other aspect, my mother, being deaf, had very significant self-consciousness around her deafness. And she perfected using success to gain acceptance. And she instilled that in me. And so I had this combination of very being very uncomfortable in my own skin and being imprinted on if I just do better than everybody else or if I'm like the one you want on your team and the one you need to get your the job done, I'll be brought along with the group and I'll be included, I won't be left out, I'll be accepted. Although it made me feel like, hey, I'm popular, I'm, I'm able to talk to girls, I'm able to, to, to not feel awkward and uh, 
it, it just made, it was a lubricant. It was a social lubricant for me. Interesting what you were saying about feeling like other people got the memo. Yeah. And, and, you know, in episode 17, not to be promoting in the episode, yeah. but Matt Anderson said almost exactly the yeah. same thing. That he always had this sense that everyone else knew yeah. the drill, and he didn't. And I only say this because I start to see these things. Right? pattern. And we go to meetings, mm. right? And everyone tells the same stories. Yeah. With and, regional differences. And with very similar experiences, right? Different fact pattern, but the same emotional and psychological issues. And so we identify those as character defects. And perhaps they are symptoms. Yeah, you know what? I think they are. I, like most kids, started drinking, you know, in the high school experience. But I was never one of those heavy drinkers. And I was very driven against success as acceptance. So college. I worked full-time from the time I was 13 and went to school full-time. I um, went from high school to undergraduate to law school and uh, and I already had, was married and had my first son uh, when I started law school so I didn't have a lot of time to play around and screw around during that period um, and not that I was struggling to do that but I just it just I was always a good, you know, I'm at my best when I could put my nose to the grindstone. I have to be careful in sobriety not to let work be the justification for, you know, uh, an out-of-balance sort of existence. Although a tired dog is a good dog. Yes, and, uh, and sometimes a safer dog, right? <laughs> Describe it, uh, Randall, is I drank heavily for the first um, 20 years of my active drinking. So let's say from age, you know, 20 on, I'm, I'm an active drinker. So the first 20 years, so from age 20 to age 40, I'm drinking heavily. And then the last 10 years, I'm drinking what I now know is alcoholic. I would say for a solid 30 years. Uh, I didn't get sober until age 50. So I mentioned that you're my sponsor. So like maybe you could explain like what is a sponsor? To me, a sponsor is someone who understands that their own sobriety hangs in the balance based on two things. They're growing their spiritual condition, so having a, deal, a daily reprieve contingent upon our spiritual condition, and the willingness and the necessity of passing on that gift of grace that we've received and the tools that we learn to apply to, be, to have a healthy meaningful sobriety for me and it's the twelfth suggestion of the, the chapter at the beginning of the chapter working with others is passing on and sharing with somebody else that which has been shared with you. To be a good sponsor one must have been at one time a good sponsee or at the very least have worked thoroughly the program or tried their best to work the program and at least understand what the program is. But to me a sponsor is someone Nothing more than someone who's sharing their experience, strength, and hope with another person who wants to try to get sober. Who was your first sponsor? My my first sponsor is officially, technically, still my sponsor. His name is Paulie, and Paul is a larger than life fellow. Paul is basically a human Fred Flintstone. I mean, if they if Fred Flintstone came off the screen, and as a human being, he's Fred Flintstone. One thing I will say about my sponsor: no one knew 
the book better than Paul, and he was a big book thumper, and he believed in the book, and he believed in service. He sponsored hundreds of men throughout the years, and he was a regular um, speaker, um, and uh, did a lot of step meetings. So he was someone that, you and I have been at meetings where we've heard people say, the guy that knows, everybody knows, he knows everybody in A, and everybody knows him, he was one of those kind of guys, larger than life character. If I could, the only thing that I would change in my sobriety over these 13 years, if I could talk to myself back then, would be to have started this very serious pursuit of what's in the book. Trying to deconstruct what's in the book together with others as early in my sobriety as possible. I really didn't do that in year four or five, out of necessity. Only thing that's the program is what was in that book. Well, you know. Except what said on. If I may, you may. On page, and just so people see, you have brought your big book with, which has all have sorts of nice yellow flags and, and tape, and it's taped together along the spine. Thank you for saying that. That's that, that, because that is how you tell a true big book thumper. <laughs> if you were looking at my big book, and I carry a small one in my yeah, backpack, that's I have good. a mini version, yeah, yeah. which I'm going to pull out to impress you. But I, the version I use at home, I have multicolored ink. Oh, nice. Different, nice. different times Time. that I've read it. And you can tell people that what it's bound with, if they want to know, is Gorilla Tape. Very effective. Oh, it's very nice, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, what's in this book is the program. I feel I owe it to them to say, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if, you own, if your own house is in order. And here's the buried sentence that I think too many of us forget. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him, capital H, is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. You know, for me, one of the turning points, a big turning point came, and it was when we were reading the big book. And just so people understand, when you talk about how you take someone like me for the big book, it's someone like me is reading it out loud yeah. in weekly sessions, and then every page or so you stop and then tell me what are the important parts that I just read. Yeah, and we <laughs> and we and we read those parts again and highlight them. Yes, right. Yes. So we both really get a sense of it, and then we talk about it, right? Right. And in doing that, for me, I for all the years that I was trying to get sober, I've been failing to get sober. It's because I looked at the book and I saw it as aspirational. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so this worked for this crazy guy, Bill, back in the 1930s. Huh, I wonder how that's going to apply to my life. And I guess some of it is aspirational, right? But Sure, but, but, but when you read it closely, number one, you see that he did not mean it aspirationally. No. Because he no. Meant, meant like, here, this is a plan for recovery, right? Yeah, this is, what's, this is the life jacket I used and didn't drown. Right. I mean, I always point out to people, and I learned this from you, it's like it starts in the foreword to the very first edition, where he says, the point of the book is to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered. Precisely how. Yeah. Not like, sort of, kind of, precisely how. You don't have to accept it, you don't have to agree with it, but at least know that's the, that's the program. And you can choose... It is perfectly acceptable for you or me to take or leave what works for us there. What is not appropriate is for us to only share with someone else just that portion we took. 
right. we have to share the whole thing. Someone tells you that they just saw the greatest movie in the world, and they tell you it is Gone with the Apes. We'll come back to that. Gone with the Wind, or something. Pick a movie for which you have read the book. Planet of the Apes. Okay, so somebody says to you, I saw this movie, Planet of the Apes, I thought it was phenomenal. And, and they start talking to you about the plot. Okay, and you say to them, oh man, I love that movie, but if you loved that movie, you are gonna really love the book. You should read the book. Because the movie is one director's interpretation of the book. The book is the truth, is the unadulterated story that was put up on that screen. Meetings, AA meetings, are the movie. The book is the book. Well, that is a great metaphor. I was just going to say, the whole time you were saying that, I wanted to point out that in Planet of the Apes, you don't actually see an ape for the first 30 minutes of the movie. Really sit out. There are times where your radio signal to the God of your understanding gets jammed or blocked, and you just can't hear and feel the signal as strongly as you usually do. Even if you're doing everything the same way you did your meditation, your prayer, your program, your service. And even if that signal dwindles down because of something blocking you off from it to where it's almost imperceptible, the one thing that can protect you, even when that signal goes dark, is working with another alcoholic. And so if you can't hear God's voice, you pick up the phone and hear somebody else in the program's voice. Bill talks about it when he talks about his conversion with Abby and yeah. how his ego blotted out the son yeah. of God's love. And blocked him off to exactly. I insist on my sponsees not only telling when they share in a meeting that they are working on a particular step, telling people, because I feel it's reminding people that this is a 12-step program and you're supposed to be working on the steps. And a lot of people sitting in that room aren't drinking, but they haven't worked the steps. The reason why this guy seems like he's he's getting it and has what I want is the guy's talking about working his program. And people don't talk about that enough. Do you have a favorite part of the big book? Or a favorite passage? Yeah, you know, it's actually my favorite thing in the big book isn't in the first 164 pages. My favorite thing, because it, it actually speaks to something you said about your God experience. Um, and it has to do with resentments, but it's more about belief. Uh, would it be okay if I read it real fast? Of course, yeah, yeah. If you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, page 552. Uh, be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even, here's the point, and here's what you were saying, even when you don't really want it for them, and your prayers are only words, and you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks, and you will find you have come to mean it, and to want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassion and understanding and love. That is kind of it. That's, that's the journey. On, that's my quest. That's my grail quest. I think you might be ready for the alcoholic lightning round. I hope so. It's time now for the alcoholic lightning round. As, as people point out, is anyone ever truly ready? For no, the I don't think so. I'm actually quite nervous knowing, having heard some of the others and, 
and the angst that they they had to bear. I'm not going to condescend to you with the whole, do you know that I was once a practicing trial lawyer? We're putting time on the clock. Okay. Superpower if you had one. Read your mind about what you really what you really needed. Selective mind reading. Yeah, selective mind reading. Three words people would use to describe you. Hopeful, happy, caring. Very nice. One day they will make a movie called Breakfast with an Alcoholic. You will of course be featured in that movie. Who do you think should play you? Um Tom Selleck. How many of the Planet of the Apes movies have you seen? All of them. All the, the original ones and the old ones. And in fact, I got to run through the rubber cornfield at Pinewood Studios when I produced the last Iron Maiden concert there. What? Yeah. And the Statue of Liberty. The What? Yeah. How did we not ever talk about this before? Uh, we will get to that at some other point. I think I may even have photographs for you. I will tell you. My, one of my peak experiences growing up was in the summertime at the Astro Theater in downtown Iowa oh, wow. City. We do a Planet of the Apes film festival. Um, how many sponsees do you have? Uh, currently, right now, four. And do you have a favorite sponsor? I do. It has been great having you on Breakfast with an Alcoholic. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it and I hope I uh, didn't mess things up too much. That's another episode of Breakfast with an Alcoholic. I hope you enjoyed it. In fact, I hope you enjoyed it so much that you subscribe. And to make that easy, I put a button down there. You can just push it. Go ahead, I'll wait. (laughs) Cool. When you subscribe, you get the daily gratitude list, all of the future episodes of Breakfast with an Alcoholic, the liner notes, the official discography, and so much more. The really great news? You can subscribe today for free. I mean, you're probably also going to be able to subscribe tomorrow for free, but wouldn't today be better? Also, I know it's Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's totally cool if you want to tell your friends about us. It's thanks, F-L-M-S, thanks for letting me share, on Instagram and Twitter. And I put another button down there to make it super easy to share. So, subscribe, like, share, follow, and I will be very grateful. On a serious note, if you need help or want to learn more, nyintergroup.org has a complete listing of AA resources in New York, and there's an intergroup site for every state and a lot of countries. If you want to ask us, we can try to point you in the right direction too. So that's it. You can look forward to the liner notes for this episode soon, And I'm already excited about the next breakfast, and not just because there are going to be pancakes involved. Until then, be well, stay groovy, go to a meeting, and call your sponsor. Thanks for letting me share.